Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Perry for another great discussion. Today we dove into several topics that might challenge your thinking a little bit when it comes to you getting past your injuries and becoming more resilient. Now, whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how's it going? Hey, Brian, I am doing absolutely wonderful today. Sun is shining, weather's sweet like always. I know everyone's probably tired of me saying that, especially in the East Coast and some of these <laughs> other places where it's <laughs> a little bit inclement right now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, overall doing really, really well. Um, I always look forward to our chats. Um, so it's like a, a shot of caffeine, you know, <laughs> it gets my day going. <laughs> It's a great way to get the day started for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's dive into the first topic we want to talk about. We'll see where this branch is off to as normal. Um, and that is essentially like when people are going through, whether it's going through rehab or working with a coach and working on things to just clean up the way they're moving. Um, like I get these comments a lot of times of just like, well, I need you to watch me. I need you to watch me. And like, I always have, I always tend to have this conversation with them of like, yes, this hour or two hours or whatever of your day is important that you are moving properly. But when this is also happening in the other 22 or 23 hours of your day, when you're moving around in your normal habits. And I think that's a, something that's forgotten a lot with people that like the things you do on a daily basis and those habits you're stuck in are essentially more important than probably moving properly with your one hour of exercise. I think that is such a huge point and something that, you know, um, absolutely needs to be brought up um, much more often than this, but we're going to dive deeply into this right now. Um, no, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely huge. We have, um, you know, as I like to tell my patients, you know, you're with yourself much longer than you are with me, you know, no matter if that's one session, two sessions, five sets, like whatever it is, you know, you are, um, you know, you need to be practicing good movements um, as opposed to bad ones when you are, um, you know, alone, right? Um, because someone said a long time ago, movement is hab habitual, right? It is a habit that you have. And if you're practicing it one time a week for an hour, you know, you're probably not going to be, um, you know, be, you're probably not going to be as successful as you would like to be and as a therapist would like you to be, right? It's like... Um, you know, think about uh, learning a language. You know, if you're trying to learn Spanish and you spend an hour a week on it, that's cool. I mean, like, great for you. That's, you know, you're probably going to get somewhere with it. But if you're trying to become fluent in Spanish, you're not going to be very successful doing it one hour a week, right? It needs to be throughout your day intermittently. And, you know, you probably need to dedicate about 10 hours a week to it total, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think it's hard because like most of this habits we're stuck in is just the things that we do on a daily basis. And we don't even think about like the way we're standing, the way we're sitting, the way we're moving around. And so like, I think it takes, it can be quite a long conversation with people to be like, like really think about every single thing you do, like how you're standing, how you're moving to like, it feels normal to you. <laughs> and like, <laughs> totally understand that it feels normal to you. But like, let's start being aware of what you're doing. 
Absolutely. You know, when, um, you know, I, I like to try to break this down with my patients, you know, you know, what's a squat, right? And anytime someone typically thinks of a squat, they think of, you know, a 225 pound barbell on their back and, you know, powerlifting kind of thing. And that's, that's not true. A squat is just simply sitting and standing or lowering yourself and coming back up. And so if you're doing it perfectly for 20 reps or 30 reps in clinic, great. I think you're off to a great start. But the rest of the day, you know, you're probably sitting and standing, you know, I wish there was some research on this, but, you know, probably, you know, 50 times a day, you know, when you think about it, sitting at the dinner table, getting up, you know, going to the restroom, all of that. And if you're doing those things poorly, guess what? You're doing more reps poorly than you are successfully, even on the day you're seeing us, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's so important just to incorporate that kind of stuff in. And, you know, let's take a step back and be very clear that we're not looking for perfection, right? We're not looking for 100% accuracy with every single thing you do on a daily basis, right? Because we're human and that's obviously unattainable. But, you know, incorporating it into, you know, what, again, let's go back to that squat analogy, when you sit down at the dinner table and you do it, you plop down, right? You know, causing increased, you know, kind of forces into the knee, all that stuff, you know, maybe that's a good idea to be like, oh yeah, that's right. Matt or Brianne said, you know, to do it like this. Then you stand back up, lower yourself down, and now you've done a, you know, a quality rep, you know, and, and, and over time it's, you're not going to think about it anymore, right? It's going to become subconscious. You're going to be moving right uh, subconsciously. So. Yeah. And I think like where I kind of go to is when like pain is just sticking around and it's not really like making sense. And, and I have an example because someone I'm still working with, but started seeing him for foot pain, got the foot pain, mostly cleared up, realized there was connection to the hips, started working on the hip, like God did all the things. And he's like, that middle of the heel pain is back again, like right in that one spot. So he started realizing, and this has probably gone back decades because of, he knows where it started is he stands on his right side with all the weight on that heel. Like that's his normal way of standing when he's at work, when he's at home, like that's where he stands. And it took that awareness of him to be like, Oh, like at this point, he probably just has a really deep bone bruise from like putting all his weight there <laughs> for what, probably 18 hours of his day. Yeah. Um, but it took him to realize like, oh, like I'm probably contributing to this problem all the time when I'm standing. I mean, like, let's start to be aware of this. He's not perfect by any means, but he'll catch himself and then he'll shift to the other side. And I think it's like little things like that, those habits that we've just formed and how we stand, how we just move around that we just don't realize we're doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, until it's brought to our attention and that's even the first step of a series of steps, right? You know, now you kind of, you know, as they say, you, you, you know what you didn't know. And, um, but you know, if you're not practicing that, you know, it's, it's, it's all for, for not, you know, or mostly for not. Um, so something that I've been thinking about implementing into my clinic and I'm trying to find a special rate for it is next time your patient and talk to him about it, but next time your patient is in the grocery store and is sitting in line and shifting all his weight to one side, you know, maybe you hop out of the chip aisle and go, 
fix your posture. <laughs> I think you'd only need to do that a few times, you know, jump out of the freezer aisle. And like <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, that would be with them forever or her forever. <laughs> They're always going to be on guard. <laughs> I don't know. Some, something I'm toying with. You know, <laughs> let me know how, how that works for you and uh, I might start implementing it. There we go. Jump out of the bushes and <laughs> put your shoulders down. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, <laughs> well, oh, you can go. You can go. I'm sorry. No, I just said I, I like this idea here. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, uh, seriously, like, you know, we need to be, you know, possibly thinking as if our PT is going to do that. To us if we're gonna you know um, really really fix stuff or else you're kind of still in the same cycle and you're breaking it because you're seeing you know seeing somebody specialize in helping you but you know um the, there has to be some ownership on the on the person on the patient they have to put in the work right mm -hmm. this isn't a, a pill or anything like that so um yeah you know i'm, I'm sure it's something a lot of pts are um you know kind of thinking about um, and a lot of patients too of well, oh dang why am I not getting better with while they're listening to us right now with their shoulders forward and they have neck and shoulder pain and and all of that right uh, so yeah and, and I, you know I'd have to say a lot like just thinking back to clinicians I used to work with and even as a young therapist like I don't remember having those conversations with people and I don't think they're done enough with with people as far as like the time you're not here, like just besides doing your exercises, like we need to start paying attention to what could still be contributing to these issues. Yep. Yep. And yeah. And so that does mean doing your exercises outside of uh, the clinic and, you know, and all of that. And, you know, like what, that's one of the reasons why we, um, you know, give all of our patients a personalized app with videos, mostly of me that I've recorded on how to specifically make sure they're doing their um, their exercises because then we you know limit and this is no judgment because we all have them but um, you know kind of excuses and reasons oh I didn't know how to do it right so I just kind of didn't do it mm -hmm. you know um, and you know also in there we can track adherence and so I know every time they've been in the app or not been in the app and we can have that kind of tough love you know um, conversation if necessary, because, you know, this, this is all about them. This has nothing to do with me. Um, this, you know, is, is, uh, it's about what we can do to best help them. And I think that 23 hours a day is absolutely crucial. 23 other hours in a day, um, is absolutely crucial to their betterment. Yeah. And I think it's important along with that, um, to recognize like, Yes, we want our people doing their necessary exercises, you know, with whatever on the whatever days we tell them. But I think it's also important to recognize like life happens and sometimes things aren't going to get done. Um, I just had a client text me the other day. She's like, hey, can we push our session a week? I haven't had a chance to spend a whole lot of time with the exercises this past week. And rather than scolding her, it's just like, what's been going on? And she had a totally valid reason for like why she hasn't <laughs> been able to do them, like all family stuff. And so I was like, cool, like totally get it. Um, but until we ask those questions, like if you just assume people are just like slacking off because they aren't, don't want to get better, 
you know, you need to ask those questions and make sure there's understanding of like, why are we not doing things too? Yeah. And, and that goes back to this whole like perfection thing. You know, we, 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 I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Well, maybe you are perfect. Who knows? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, um, it, you know, we're, we, as, you know, humans aren't perfect, right? You know, I am not looking, ever looking for someone to say, I did my exercises, you know, the last seven days since the day I saw you when I did everything perfectly and I did, a, you know, this, that, and the other. But, you know, there is an intention component of, you know, you know, wanting to put forth, you know, um, you know, the effort in, in, into your, your care. And, and I'm not saying if you have family issues or family things going on, which I totally get, you know, that, that, that you're not, but it's like, okay, cool. What can I do to make sure I'm still prioritizing myself with, within this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not a parent yet or anything like that. So, you know, I don't want to make judgments or assumptions. Um, uh, but you know, we, we do typically have five minutes in a day, right? Somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Um, the other thing I think too, is like along with that is if people are, Especially because I think she's, we're several months into her stuff. So it's like, she's starting to learn body mechanics and awareness and, and getting a lot better. And I think once people are to that stage, yes, the exercises are still important, but the fact that they're now integrating these better movement patterns and everything they're doing with their daily day, day life, like even that I think is a big, is huge. Like the fact that she can now like put something up overhead with good shoulder like control and stability and everything is like super important and maybe more important that she can actually do that now on a regular basis compared, you know, that even if she can't do her exercises every day too. And, and look at this, like the, if you are integrating it into your daily life, guess what? You are now doing your exercises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and it might not be a controlled thing of 15 reps or whatever, but, you know, you picking something up how you normally do, you know, with a rounded back and all of that kind of stuff. Not that that's inherently bad, but with back pain, you know, um, uh, or, or, or whatever the case is, you do it improperly. You come back up. Okay, now let me do it how my PT showed me how to do it. And, and now you've done a rep for the day. You're plus one. Um, so I, I do like that idea of uh you know incorporating it into everyday life and now you have these small victories and i think that's the best way to promote adherence in the first place yeah that's a great point there um curious when you said bending over with rounded back how often are you having people do jefferson curls or do you great great, great question <laughs> i know i know to jefferson or not to jefferson <laughs> um <laughs> i uh um, it, of course it depends, but, you know, I love that idea of, um, you know, maybe towards the end of a uh, patient's kind of, you know, initial kind of recovery plan, um, before we kind of go into more of the performance stuff, um, getting them doing something like that, you know, doing something that once caused pain that they're a little weary about that breaks everything that we've talked about in the past you know, wide open, mm -hmm. um, and having someone do that. And because I think it's a great source of empowerment for the patient that they, that they know they can now lift really however they want. And, you know, for the most part, be okay. Um, and, 
uh, and also because life happens and things happen. I, I know how to lift well, and I have had back pain in the past and all of that, and I don't do it perfectly. <laughs> so, so why are we not training, you know, at some point in the process, you know, um, for the, the, the event of them not doing it perfectly? Oh, absolutely. And, and essentially, isn't that what we want to be able to do is train for the unknown? Like, we don't know when we're going to have to just a bit like instinctively move really fast. That's going to cause us to round our back with some weight. And if your body doesn't know how to do it, then you're SOL. <laughs> Absol- absolutely. You know, I, I think it was um, uh, very evident when um, we just, uh, of course, I break things in my house. Um, my wife hates it. But uh, <laughs> we just got a new microwave because I broke the last one somehow. And <laughs> talent. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wonderful at that. The best at breaking stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, microwave box is like super huge and awkward and all that kind of stuff. And when I was trying to pick it up, you know, to, uh, to take the old microwave out to the recycling or trash, I, I could not figure out how to do it properly. There was, there was no way in heck I could, you know, um, it wasn't super heavy, but it was awkward. And so, the odds of our patients being in a situation like that, you know, is probably about a hundred percent at some point, you know, in their life. So, so yeah, why are we not making sure that they're uh, resilient in, in, in all movements? Cause isn't that function? Oh yeah. You know? Especially like when you think about moving, like how many pieces of furniture or boxes or just things are just so awkward and you have to figure out how to move them somehow. Yeah. <laughs> How, how do you move a couch with someone with like proper posture? It's <laughs> right, you know, or you know what I mean, textbook posture, anyways. Um, but you know that that goes back to kind of our philosophies, where you know the body is we see the body as a very resilient thing, right? It is highly unlikely, you know, that someone bends over and herniates all of their discs. You know what I mean, picking up a pencil. You know, they might have pain afterwards. You know, after doing that, but the odds of that happening are, are slim. So, um, yeah, we need to treat the body as such. And once the pain and, you know, the symptoms kind of calm down, um, we need to be training for overall function. You know, um, I, I love working with my basketball players because it's like, how do you train getting contact in the air while you're going up for a, you know, a dunk or a layup? <laughs> well, we have to train that by when you jump, I'm going to push you a little bit. <laughs> the technical <laughs> term is pertur- perturbations. and see where you land and see how you land, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, I don't think he's a therapist. I think he's a, I can't remember his actual title. Um, But he has some really cool things, like really like end ranges of motion, learning how to gain strength and control and balance. Um, Sorry, strength and control. Um, So things that like ankle sprains that you can like come right off of that without actually like injuring yourself if you're rolling your ankle on the trail and things like that it's pretty cool to watch some of his stuff to see how he does it just because it does put you in like those different positions that you don't even like necessarily think about training or like can't always like wrap your brain around like how do I even like train stability and control there um but it's pretty cool because yeah it is those unknowns that you still need to train for yeah I mean if we're going to treat if we're going to treat the whole person you know we need to treat the whole person right and, um, and, and all that. Um, but I, I, I am curious, um, you know, at what point 
you know, if you were to, would you implement something like that, like a Jefferson curl or, you know, what, uh, same thing. It depends on everyone. Like definitely not going to be anything like when they're in pain and like active pain stage, but once things are starting to get better and then like, um, for some of them who tell me not necessarily standing at their desk, cause we can all stand in bad posture, but, um, like if someone tells me like, yeah, when I'm like leaning over a little bit at the sink all the time, you know, like starting to feel things then, or kind of those like different postures and positions or, um, like different movements, triggering stuff. And just like, you know what, we probably need to train like control through that range, through that, um, entire area. So it's more of those situations. I definitely don't do it with everyone necessarily. Um, but definitely situational, um, kind of based on things they tell me. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's great. And it always has to be, you know, situational, um, because it's not a cookie cutter approach. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, all about figuring out what the person can't do or what the person will be facing. You know, here in Southern California, for instance, we have, um, you know, the, uh, we don't drink our tap water typically because uh, it's nasty. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we have the, the five-gallon uh, jugs, you know, with the water dispensers typically in, in most houses. Um, and so if I have an 85-year-old, you know, uh, lady or man, whomever, who lives by themselves and we know that the water is going to be delivered, you know, we can't just, you know, say, Oh, we'll have someone else do it or just don't pick up your water in the front of your house. Right. You know, we need to train for that and we need to build them up, you know, so they can handle something like that without obviously uh, be re injury. Yeah. <laughs> Tip it on the side and roll it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Hey, that's a new technique. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you're going to use that technique to actually get it on the top of the dispenser. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's half the battle, at least, getting it to the to the cooler. <laughs> no, the other thing I was just thinking about is, because I was just thinking about someone I gave Jefferson Curls to fairly recently, and those, you kind of mentioned it, those people who are just very, like, had back injury a long time ago, have been very guarded since then, and just, like, are so afraid to move their spine in any way, shape, or form. Like, I love using those, just even just with, like, a, five pound weight just to start like getting that segmental movement. Cause at that point, like they're just so bound up and not wanting to move segmentally that just any movement they can get is helpful. Yeah. And going back to not only the strength and control aspect, but again, that empowerment them being like, Oh my gosh, I can, I can do this. You know, yeah. before it was picking up a pencil that throughout my back and now I can take a five pound weight and, you know, segmentally lower, you know, that's a good, you know, maybe 30 seconds under tension, you know, lowering to the floor and then kind of coming back up, um, you know, maybe 15 seconds, but uh, that's significant. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick break to talk about Power Insole. When I first heard about this product, I was automatically turned off because of the name. I thought it helped support the foot, which was a huge no for me. I quickly found out I was wrong. Power Insole is a two by two gel pad that goes inside your shoe that works on your body's cells to help improve your recovery and your performance. I've been testing this out for a couple weeks now and really am amazed by the results. Like my body just feels better. My legs don't feel as heavy. And one really cool thing is you can put it on an area that's maybe injured or just achy 
And that pain and stiffness goes away quickly, or at least it did for me, which I thought was awesome. If you are looking for just a simple, easy way that you can enhance your recovery and your performance, I really encourage you to check out Power Insole and give it a test ride for yourself. You can find more information about them and pick up one for yourself at getyourfixpt.com slash powerinsole. And if you use code getyourfix at checkout, you can save 10%. You can also go to my partner's page, getyourfixpt slash partners, and find the link directly to Power Insole as well as all my other partners. And now let's get back to the show. I know you had something you wanted to talk about today too, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I always have stuff on my mind, stuff on my brain. Oh. <laughs> There's no shortage of that. Um, yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, um, you know, just the whole aspect of, you know, what our people, what our patients, you know, are truly looking for and possibly how to kind of get to the bottom of that, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, pain is typically the reason why someone would come into us. My back hurts, my knee hurts, whatever the case is, um, I want it to stop hurting. And, and that's great. And that's something we work well with, but, you know, I don't think, you know, and, and I know typically in PT, that is the end of the road, right? Um, once they're no longer in pain, but, you know, I think we could do a better job as a profession to make sure we're exploring why not only is the pain affecting them, but what's that keeping them from? What's that preventing them from, right? And what do they want to get back to? Because most people have aspirations, whether it's, you know, um, you know, going for a hike, you know, for a, a mile or something like that with their friends, or being able to go see their grandkids or kids, um, whatever, you know, without, um, uh, uh, and sitting in the car for an hour, you know, without pain. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I know I kind of rambled a little bit, but I think you kind of know what I'm saying. No, I think it's good. Like, you know, it's one of those things as, you know, I worked in the insurance world long enough and I remember like needing to get goals from people. And sometimes it was like pulling teeth, trying to figure out like what their goals were. Um, <laughs> but I don't think like, I think when they're, when people are in pain, it's like their goal at that point or their thought in their head is just, I want to be out of pain. And so that's really all that's communicated a lot of times. And I think other than just get like getting those superficial goals, a lot of times we do forget to like dig deeper into that and like really figure out like why they want to get out of their pain and, and really like establish what those goals are and, and their whys. Yeah. So like, you know, on a typical plan with somebody, say they're a runner, you know, and can't run because of, uh, their knee pain, you know, or something like that. Um, although pain is obviously the surrounding factor in your evaluation, you know, out of, let's say five goals, you know, how many of those are pain, uh, surround, you know, pain versus, uh, versus function and, you know, kind of the other side of things. Yeah. You know, normally I'm, when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, like, I don't even do pain levels. Like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I pretty much like, it's more of just like, Oh, figuring out like where the pain is, what triggers it. And then like, what are your goals? Like, what are you training for right now? Or like, is running the, like, sometimes it's, they have a stressful job and running is how they release that stress before they then go spend time with their family. And 
you know, really figuring out that ultimate reason of why they want to run again, I think is more important than just being like, okay, your pain's gone. Like, like at the end of the day, they don't care if their pain's gone or not. They care that they can run again. <laughs> yeah, that that's a great point. And so, yeah, that 10, 10 out of 10 pain is keeping them from running. However, if they can run and afterwards have a little bit of soreness and a three out of 10 or something like that, then that's okay. That's a win. Um, if they can finish their race or, you know, do what they need for mental and physical health. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's wonderful. And I think we do need to shy away from the pain scales and, and things like that. Right. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's good for maybe a subjectively objective measure, you know, to measure from, from, time to time, but as we know, people who've had chronic pain, you know, don't accurately um, have the ability, and this is including myself, to report their pain, right? Because it always hurts. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's asking me, oh, does this hurt? It's like, well, it always hurts. <laughs> you know, um, that hurt a little bit more than, than before. And so it becomes very murky. Well, I think too, at least me personally, like, everyone's pain tolerance is going to be different. Like, and I know, like, I hate being that person. I'm like, I have really pain, pain tolerance. Like normally when I hear someone say that, it's just like, no, you don't <laughs> like <laughs> you do. Um, so I will like, I never claim it, but I've had both my, both physicians that I've had do peer peer prolo with me have both told me like, you can handle this really well. Like this is crazy. <laughs> um, so apparently I do. Um, but I, it's also helped me realize like over the years, like, okay, like my foot was probably injured a lot worse than it was as I continued running. I just didn't notice it because like, it takes my longer body, longer distance pain. Um, so it's kind of those things like once I have realized, like once I start noticing something and I would rate it like a three or four, I'm like, I should probably shut it down because this is probably actually a lot worse than it is. So I think knowing and like at least having an awareness of some of that can be helpful. Like if you're someone with a really low pain tolerance and it's a one or a two, like you're probably okay to continue. Um, but you know, so it is going to be a little bit there. Um, but yeah, just because so many, like there's such a subjectiveness to that pain skill. Like it's such a hard skill to use and which is why I don't use it a ton. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's a good point in, maybe the efficacy of using it as a way to calibrate, you know, you calibrate it to each person. Cause I've had people come in and say with a straight face monotone, I'm in a 10 out of 10 pain right now. And it's like, really? Like 10 out of 10 is like being like mold by a bear and right? like stung by bees at You're the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not doubting or questioning that person's, you know, report, that's their report. Um, but that allows us to maybe be able to kind of calibrate things a little bit better, um, to that, you know, to know that, you know, when they're at a, um, an eight, oh, it's like, okay, like, you know, what, you know, what could that mean? Is that maybe a three for another person is that, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera. Can, can we continue or can we not continue with what we're yeah. doing? And I think that's like. Obviously, when they're at the gym by themselves or up on a run by themselves and having to figure out like how bad this hurts, um, like this concept can't be used. But like when you're actually talking with a person, like facial expressions says a lot, like you just said, like 
if they just have a straight face and then they're telling you it's 10 out of 10, probably not. If they're telling you a five and they're giving you this crazy grimace on their face, probably not five either. <laughs> like, yeah. probably more than that. Um, <laughs> so like body language will tell us a lot when, with those things too. No, that's a, that's a huge point. And, uh, and yeah, you know, as a general rule of thumb, like when someone says, well, how much pain should I be in when I do whatever exercise, you know, ideally the answer is zero um, or one, you know what I mean? But I typically tell people, you know, my strains and my tendon issues and, and those kind of things, you know, don't let it get past like a three or a four, you know, Cause I think most people can kind of understand, you know, what that is. I think once we get to the higher levels, that's when it becomes a little bit, you know, um, more variable. But, um, you know, current research says, you know, for tendon, tendon pains, like, you know, mostly Achilles is what we've researched. You know, if you keep it around there, we're adding a good amount of stress to the system, but not overloading the system. Um, because if you're getting a 7 out of 10 pain after, um, you know, some squats, then we probably shouldn't be squatting right now. Yeah. <laughs> and my big thing, depending, too, was, depending. like, does it last? Like, if it's yeah. like four, not bad, but are you feeling it then for the rest of the day and the next day? Like if it's lasting, then we're probably doing more damage. If it's like once you're done running or once you're done doing whatever exercise and the pain goes away immediately, we're probably okay. It's a great point. Um, and I think the overall kind of message with this is this is why it's important to make sure you have some skilled hands on you. You know, everybody listening, um, having your coach of whatever that is in, in your corner um, to, to guide you with that. Right. Cause that can be a fine line, you know, when, you know, well, because, because the next question is, well, well, how long does the pain last after, as you were kind of saying, you know, and what does that mean? And for different people, that means different things, different conditions. So, um, I always want to circle back to make sure that, you know, you were getting the help you need, the skilled help and not simply, you know, going on YouTube or whatever the case yeah. is to, um, to treat yourself. And I think too, that like pain changing locations can, like can be a bad thing, but a lot of times it's a good thing. Um, I had someone message me recently. He's like, okay. She said the warm up that we did worked. She's like, I didn't have any pain. She's like, but now I'm getting some in my lower leg. I'm like, honestly, I'm totally happy with that. Most likely it means your body's moving differently. Things are working differently. Um, and so like, I'm okay with this progression. Um, so a lot of times I, and I think too, like once someone's had pain long enough, any pain is a bad pain. And so mm -hmm. it, it does take those conversations, whether it's working with someone in person or someone that you're working with virtually and you can email or message of having that conversation of like, this is what it was. This is what it is now. Is this a good or bad thing? Absolutely. And I think we should reiterate what you just said for the people in the back of the room. Seriously, Brianne, because it is so important to understand that pain changing uh, locations, as you said, you know, it can at times not be a good thing, but for the most part, you know, is a marker of some kind of improvement in the system, in the overall person. So I love that. Big bullet points right there. Yeah. Highlight, <laughs> underscore, yeah, right. put a star on it. <laughs> <laughs> everybody can see and hear it <laughs> yeah and i mean like it, it's 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 interesting just one more point on that you know um i think back pain is the biggest you know um the biggest thing people having their sciatica like symptoms and they're um 
and, and, and actually let me back up and say, not necessarily back pain, but issues coming from their back that are manifesting as sciatica-like symptoms. They may have never had back pain. They have that hip tightness, pain running down the back of their leg, you know, all that kind of stuff. And as people get better, typically, you know, what, um, what I've seen is they'll start, they'll no longer have the leg pain, but they'll start having a little bit of back pain. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my back hurts now. Like, am I not getting better? Like, and I'm like, no, that's good. That is good. You know, really, typically the nerve should, you know, um, the, or the pain should centralize to the location. Yeah. So great, great points. Absolutely. Um, I think another thing just kind of piggyback all of this on is like as much as, as a coach, as a clinician, like we want to like, think we know what we're doing. Like, we want to think we know what we're doing and we're on the right track. Like at the end of the day, everything that we're doing for the most part is trial and error. Like we don't have x-ray vision. We don't have, even if an MRI shows a tear somewhere, like it's still not enough to tell us like for sure, like the trigger of this pain. And so at the end of the day, it is trial and error. And I think it's one of the reasons I get really frustrated with when I hear therapists like doing the same things with someone for like four to six weeks without any change. I'm like, can we think outside the box that it might not be this issue? Like maybe it's something else that's triggering it. Maybe I have one right now that she's always been treated as a hamstring. And as I was watching her move, I was like, isn't lining up. Like maybe it's glute. So we kind of switched directions last week to more of a glute focus to see if like that will do it. But it's like, do I know it's the right answer? Not necessarily, but like the hamstring hasn't worked like it should. Like let's switch focuses and see what the glute like. Yeah. Because the other, like they overlap. Yeah, <laughs> they sure do. They're kind of all there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same general area. Uh, yeah, you know, and and it's so funny when you when you say that it sounds so simple, right? You know, like oh my god, like duh, you know, you know what I mean. But for it's something that you know very you know, few people in this, uh, you know, the, uh, clinician realm, you know, really implement and, and, and critically think about, right. Critically thinking about their patients. If this is not working, you know, we can't just keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Or, you know, I have some people who have seen clinicians for, you know, several years and they're prom- the clinicians promising to the patient, oh, well, you know, this, this time everything will be different, you know, but it's the same exact protocol, mm-hmm. same manipulation, same, same, whatever. It's like, no, you know, you need to know, um, or, you know, you, you need to have a, at least an internal protocol of like, okay, we're going to give this a couple of weeks or, you know, depending on what's going on. And, you know, uh, if this isn't working, we need to adjust and move on. And maybe we still do a little bit of this, but we focus, you know, also on, on that, you know, the hamstring to the glute. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's the whole thing of making sure this isn't cookie cutter and, you know, Oh, they have knee pain. So we put them through, through the knee pain stuff. Right. Um, cause it's all different and everyone's issues are coming from different areas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, you know, same concept goes for at home. Like, I don't know how many times I talk to people as far as like, Oh, I've been doing this and this and this. Well, is it working? No. Okay. And then I talked to him a couple weeks later. And it's like, well, I'm still doing this, this, and this. I'm like, 
well, like nothing's going to change if you're doing the same thing. <laughs> like Exactly. And, work this and, yeah. And it's probably the same things that they were doing prior to even seeing us that hadn't worked. Right. And, you know, I, I get sometimes there's comfort and stuff. And if there's no, I guess, real cost to doing something, putting Voltaren cream on your knee or like whatever the case is, um, it makes you feel better about maybe it is helping um, do it. But um, no, we need to change to to change what we're doing and making sure that we're, you know, um, you know, it's, it, you know, it kind of gets me thinking, I'm trying to find a good uh, example for this, but like, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to hang a door or something like that, right? And the screw holes don't align and all that kind of stuff, yet you still keep trying to put the screws in the screw holes, right? <laughs> oh, maybe this weekend the holes might have moved or maybe this weekend the nails will be longer or like whatever. You know, like, you, you get what I mean? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are you speaking from experience there? Because I know you said you're Oh, my gosh. I'm a new homeowner. So, um, <laughs> yes, I've, the, the, the nightmares. And sometimes you want it to fit. You just, you just want it to work, you know, and I totally get that. Um, but there's a time when it's not going to, and you just need to drill some new holes and you're spending four hours trying to make this fit when you can spend five minutes drilling some new holes, right? Or spend five minutes calling someone to do it for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that is true. Nah, I'm a lifelong learner. I love making my own mistakes, <laughs> no matter how frustrating it is. And, um, when you see me and I'm all tense and stuff, uh, you know, on, on a future podcast, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> like I said, we're we're not all perfect, right? This we've come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Along the lines of like, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, I could kinda of want to know your thoughts about like all these other, you know, modalities. Um, people thinking, Oh, well, you know, if I just put cream on my knee, it'll go away. You know, or, oh, if I, <clears throat> excuse me, take this supplement, you know, that'll cure me, you know. Um, you know, if someone has their convictions in that, that this one thing is going to help, of course, in addition to you, um, you know, how do you ha kind of have that conversation that like, you know, and, you know, that's a, that's a fine line when someone's very steeped in their beliefs of something. Yeah, you know. When it comes, I mean, I'll address the supplements part first, just because like there are some supplements that actually do, especially like collagen, things like that. Like it can help the soft tissues um, and do it for integrity. There's a reason like I used, um, I take collagen daily just for that. So there are certain supplements that just for like maintaining our tissues, maintaining like good wellness, like can be very beneficial. Not for necessarily like curing a problem though. Um, <laughs> But when we're talking about like creams, braces, um, pills, like whatever it is, most of the stuff like essentially is just a band-aid. It's not going to like solve any of your problems. Um, like you can keep taking it if you want to, to cover up your pain. But at the end of the day, you're like, they're going to have to do something about what's creating their pain. Um, or they'll, you know, essentially they'll just be dependent on those, whatever they're using, you know, for the rest of their life. Yeah. 
Um, I'm, I'm in agreement. You know, I, I I do think you know supplements you know are good. I'm not dogging supplements by any um, any means. Um, but you know, if that person kind of along the lines of our last topic um, a second ago, you know, is yeah using that that cream has has been using it for years. Comes into you uh, for for help. Um, they now get better, and now they're like, oh well, you know. Um, I have been using the cream a little bit more, so, you know, that's probably what got me better. Probably not you, Brianne. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, it's fine. This isn't an ego trip or anything like that, you know, whatever whatever you feel. Um, but I think that person is destined to probably be back in our reach, you know, within another year or something like that, right? Because mm-hmm. they... Um, they didn't really see the big picture or think outside the box of what what could have changed. Oh, maybe because I'm seeing brand weekly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you can only you can only do so much if people are like dead set on using that stuff for for pain because um, it is a quick fix, essentially. Like it lets them do what they want to do and they don't have to put in any other work to do anything else necessarily and lets them go in their way. So like I said, if people want to if that's you and you totally want to function that way, like you do you. Awesome. Um, me personally, I don't like putting chemicals and random things in my body all the time. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Cause that does have implications later on and it doesn't matter what, what it is. Right. Um, you know, there, there are implications, uh, later on. Um, so yeah, we just need to be very, very mindful of making sure what, you know, what we're doing, trying to regress it to probably the more natural things, although there are natural things that will kill you too, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, ma- making sure we have a full understanding of, of, of what is causing what's going on and what we are doing comprehensively in totality um, to, to, to help ourselves and, and what's, what's changed in that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, and what I, what I do also mention to a lot of people is like, when you do, like, you use different things to mask your pain. Cool. You can continue doing what you're doing, but it also means you're continuing to move in the same patterns that got you injured in the first place, that caused that pain in the first place. You're con- and over time, it's just going to make things worse. So you may not need anything now, but down the road, that could mean surgery. It could mean further injuries of something else. Like there's a lot of other things that can happen by continuing to essentially move in the m- patterns that are causing your issues. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the bottom of it. Right. Um, which is why I love our profession. I love, love what we do. Um, you know, it's so, so rewarding to see a person who's had chronic pain for, you know, a really long time and finally get them out of that, get them liberated and get them off of their meds, get them off of, you know, all of these other, you know, crutches um, and, uh, you know, and, and living a much healthier lifestyle and just being so, um, just so thankful for it. I love mm-hmm. it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Any other final thoughts for today? Hmm. Like I said, I always got thoughts, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, I maybe last kind of thing, you know, is about, and we've kind of touched on it in, you know, throughout this conversation, you know, is really the idea of commitment and commitment to the program. You know, um, if they're coming to see you or I, that they're truly, you know, committing to something, Mm -hmm. you know, not, 
not doing it as a one-off or like, oh, let me, you know, let me see, you know, because um, I think that's, or sorry, I know that is how we get and can invoke the most change is when someone's committed to our program, doing the things that they um, want or need to do. They might not always like it, but they have trust in us that, you know, we're we're in it with them to, to get better, right? Yeah, you make a great point there. Um, and it's one of the reasons I, one of the many reasons I left the insurance world, but like when, especially when we're like dealing with people with chronic pain, it's like, I'm here because my doctor sent me and I don't really want to be here. Like getting them to buy into anything is going to be nearly impossible mm-hmm. versus the ones you're like, I'm here because I want to be here. I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So like, what do I have to do? Um, but yeah, like the committed ones are going to get better because they're actually going to put in the work to doing what it takes. Yep. It, it, it's funny. And, and, and you highlighted that, you know, I, I love that you highlighted the different mindset in some of the, you know, kind of big box situations versus, you know, um, you know, the smaller, more personalized clinics, you know, it's, you know, the, 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 as you said, the patient's assumption, you know, is that, oh, well, like I have to do this, you know, whatever my doctor sent me here, but also in that clinic, you know, what can happen? And I've heard this in the past too, you know, is, oh, well, the person doesn't really want to be here anyways because their doctor just sent them and blah, blah, blah. They have assumptions. And Mm -hmm. so two people have assumptions about each other (laughs) and that creates a ton of friction. And, you know, that could be the make or break as to if someone gets better or not, right? You know, because the therapist isn't going to put in every everything they have for the person. The person's not going to put everything they have um, all based off assumptions. There's no rapport there. Yeah. And another, that triggered another thought too, which is like, people have to be like, understand that they can fix themselves. Like, I get like, sometimes manual therapy is necessary. Like there's definitely time and place for like getting some hands on work to loosen things up, but like, that's not going to fix that overall problem. And like, if all you're doing is expecting 45 minutes of like, soft tissue work, modalities, like all that stuff and not expecting to do much work to like fix your problem. Like that's where there's a big disconnect as well. Like you have, like it's the PT, the chiropractor, the, you name a clinician, isn't actually the one that's going to get you better. Like you're going to get yourself better because you're going, well, you should be getting yourself better (laughs) because you want to learn how to move better rather than someone else just like doing a thing and sending you on your way. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a huge highlight that we, we have nothing but the roadmap, you know, um, we can show you the path to get better. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, it is up to, up to the person. And if that roadmap involves, you know, a $10,000 ultrasound unit and, a you know, $5,000 cervical traction unit and, you know, all these machines and stuff, then guess what? The only way the patient thinks that they can get better is through those things. And, you know, some people can afford, you know, a $20,000 setup in their house or whatever, but I still, you know, don't think that's, you know, that's, that's the best, the best way forward for someone because they're still reliant on those things. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can get them to fix themselves, to treat themselves, um, you know, it's the whole um, uh, teach a person to, or give, give a person a fish, they can eat for a day, teach a person a fish, they can eat for a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And we're trying to have people, you know, move well for a full lifetime. 
Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. That's a perfect statement to end this on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, to close it out, where can people find you if they want to follow you or connect with you? Yeah, absolutely, everyone. Um, um, my company is AutoNest Physical Therapy, committed to your autonomy, happiness, and wellness. We are trying to teach ourselves out of a profession. Um, speaking of our last statement, um, please, please feel free to Google us or go on Instagram. You know, we're on all the major um, social medias. Please reach out if you have any questions, if you have, you know, any maybe conflicting views or disagreements, you know, about the things we're saying. You know, I'd love to have an open and honest forum, you know, with that. And because, uh, you know, we all we all are lifelong learners and all are trying to um, just help as many people as we can. So the more information we get, the, the better our world will be. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you again for joining me. This was a fun conversation as usual. As always, Brian, I really appreciate having uh, you having me on the uh, podcast on this monthly basis. It's a good time. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before I close out, I have two questions for you. Do you feel like you're in a plateau with your progress? Or do you feel like you're stuck in an injury cycle? Both of these issues are very common and both of them can be fixed very easily. Most often, both of these issues come down to how you're training or more importantly, what's missing in your training. By figuring out what's missing and adding that in, your training performance will improve, your racing performance will improve, and your injury cycle will break. I invite you to get on a free 30-minute consultation call with me to discuss what's going on with you, your life, your training, so we can really figure out what needs to be done to improve that. So head over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash doc to book a free call with me. Thank you again for listening today. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>